welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, it's always fun when you come in here and you say, yeah, I'm ready to go to the show. I know it doesn't mean you're any more prepared. It just means you're ready to start smoking. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really mean that you've got all your ducks in a row or anything. Well, <laughs> I, had, I had my ducks. They just weren't quite in rows. They were more of a grid. I wasn't, I wasn't as uh, unorganized as maybe typically I am rolling in here uh, on a day like I've had today. Well, I can understand that. We all have to run life as well as everything else. Oh, man. And this has been one of those days where I am just beat. Oh, well, get the, get the energy up. I'm working on it. Get I'm ready. Work- to, we're about to do something we enjoy, which is always nice. <laughs> and uh, So what we're going to smoke tonight? A gift from my wife. And uh, she actually shared two of her Karloffs. We spoke last week about how she won the Monster Game. Right. And she donated two Karloffs to the Cigar Cast tonight for us to smoke. Glenda, I know you're listening. Thank you. I really appreciate that. The wrapper is an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. So this is very close to the Boris that they made. You know, we talked about this when we announced this cigar was coming out. Was it 2012? Was that when they made the Boris? Uh, A while back. Yeah. But, you know, I think... um, Jeff Borowitz down at Corona had the name Boris. Right. And they all worked together and got that. Well, this is supposed to be a reblending of that, just a little bit um, a little bit fuller smoke. Okay. So I'm kind of thinking that this is going to be, this could go very well or this could not go very well. How so? Well, Tatawahe does strong well. They do. But their track record with the Monster Cigar is not exactly stellar. That's true. I will say I love the shape. Yeah, five, six and five-eighths by 49. That's a that's an interesting size. That's a 49? That looks bigger than a 49. Now, I six guess a, boxes of 13. Yep. And I'll, now, so, are all the Monster Series the same size? No. I, I was about to say, I thought the one of them had a torpedo tip. Was that the Kruger. Monster? Kruger. The bo- so I won the Kruger, and then our previous guest, Jay Drescher, won the Michael. And then my wife proceeded to win the Bride, um, what was the one last year? Uh, the Tiff mm. and the Karloff. And I, and I actually still have a couple of Krugers at my house that I've just been putting back to age because... When I first got the Kruger, I put a year of age on it before it really got good to me. Yeah. So now just kind of seeing how that continues to play off down the road. You know, I've always... It's funny because I remember back in the day when uh, Tatawahe was really hard to find. And so the Monster Series being the hardest among those to find was always a bit of a scavenger hunt every year. You've just barely got that lit. I haven't lit it yet. Oh, okay. I was. <laughs> Is there smoke coming out of it? Is there something I no, should know? No, but the the way the light was shining on just a, a sliver of the foot made it look like you had about a, a five pieces of ash. No, I was going to comment on the cold draw. Okay. And all of a before I lit it, um, I'm getting a little caramel. I got that too. Yeah. Did you get? I get. I'm getting a little caramel off the cold draw, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. You know what I like about. 
Tatuaje is that I'm as much as I am a big fan of spice in my cigars and pepper flavors, those are not always what I want when I want a full-bodied cigar. But so often, those two things tend to go hand in hand. And it's just because it's such a bold flavor that you know you've got something strong when you taste those flavors. And Tatuaje is able to put a full-bodied, full-flavor cigar together. It doesn't have a lot of that spice. So you do get some of that that caramel, that chocolate kind of flavor. It's funny. There's a lot of Tatuajes that are fours. And there's a lot of Tatuajes that are sixes. There's not a lot of Tatuajes that are fives. No. They tend to either be very good or not so good. They right. don't they don't tend to ever make a mediocre cigar. You know, they're to me they're the high stakes poker player. They're either winning big or they're losing big. And all that's kind of the, the high stakes poker player of the industry. I get that. And and they do have a tendency also to lean on that um, the Lancero size. They put out several of those and I think maybe that hurts them in that category. At least it does for me. You know, knowing that that is not a size I like and that there are so many of their blends that I can only get in that shape kind of puts me off from time to time. Which kind of leads us into our first article here perfectly. The Caldwell Eastern Standard Sungrown Magic Super Lancero slated for late November release. Okay, so um, was set at the anniversary party and our local Caldwell rep was talking to the owner down there and he was talking about these Lanceros that they had coming out. And I said, Caldwell of a Lancero. And then he proceeded to tell me, and I trust Jonathan's palate. You know, we've had right. Jonathan on here numerous times. And Jonathan, if it's a bad cigar, will tell you it's a bad cigar. Right. He does not... Um, Mince words. Yeah. He, and I trust his palate. He has a developed palate. He has a refined palate. I mean, he likes Opus, but other than that, what can, I mean, how much can you hold against him? Um and he said this was one of the best cigars he had ever smoked, period, in any size, this Super Lancero. I don't know that a, that a Lancero size could ever be that for me. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, I, and I guess is that wrong of me to think that, to, to prejudge a cigar because, of, you know, a Lancero, if a Lan, for me, if a Lancero is a six, it's the best Lancero I've ever had. Yeah, exactly. And all the thought of a Lancero making a seven is a, um, I, that's I, a tall order. I can't imagine that happening. I just can't. Well, I, I've spoken with him about procuring us a couple of those to try on the show. All right. To back up his, his thing. So it's going to be a seven and a half by 42, dubbed Magic. I don't know why they dub it Magic. I don't either. Um, a hybrid Mexican Habano wrapper over an Ecuadorian binder and fillers from Dominican Republic in Mexico. The MSRP thirteen dollars thirteen steep for a Lancero. No, it's not. That's oh. about what you. The wrapper leaf is the hardest to deal with. It's the most finicky, and it's the most expensive, and it makes up the majority of the cigar. So no, I I think Lanceros tend to be more than their other but sizes. Would you would you pay thirteen for a Lancero? Yeah, but it's a Caldwell cigar, so you're in, you're in it for thirteen dollars regardless. That's true. You're not going to get into a inexpensive Caldwell. Exactly. I mean, they're just not built that way. That's not, and I can respect that. I can respect a company that doesn't need that. You they know, know where their floor is. Right. They're not planning to try to challenge us on a budget number. Right. They're these are our cigars. We only make so many of them a year. You know. These, there's only going to be a thousand boxes produced worldwide. Worldwide, 
and they're signed and numbered and okay. are expected to hit the shelves in November. All right, so that's any day now. I did note, did you mention that this is part of the Eastern Standard line? It is. I don't, yeah, so which, you know, going back to what you said, is kind of one of their budget entry. Yeah, it does tend it, to be a little lower on the scale. But, um, but a great cigar. Well, you know, it joins the Sun Grown Robusto, Toro, Double Robusto, and Magnum. Right. And I will tell you, Caldwell, I don't think Caldwell needs to do a Magnum. Their Magnums rarely impress me. I, I don't get the right kind of draw from it. It just, it always feels like it, it just, it, it falls off when you step up to that biggest size. I've only had a couple of them because it's not really what I go for anyway, but the two I've had, it didn't impress me. Well, when I look back at 2020 and my life as a cigar smoker, I can always I can always say 2020 is kind of the year I got over my hang up on the Vitola of a cigar. Yeah, and uh, I I kind of I acknowledge that has been your biggest area of growth this year. Yeah, I I, I kind of got over um got over the hump of wondering about that. Now you're staring oddly at my kit. Yeah, what is on top of? Oh, it's a half a Toscano. Okay, that's what I thought since, that was. Since you were late, I whacked a Toscano in half and just smoked up. Gotcha. I got here, and I had about 30 minutes, and I said, I'd like to have a cigar. This is a this is an advertisement for Toscano. I said, I'd like to have about half a cigar and all, because I don't want to smoke half a cigar and then lay it down and then have to light it back up after the show. Yeah. And I, oh, there's the Toscano. So I picked up a Toscano 1492 and just whacked it in half and sat up there at the bar with Rob and had it and just chilled out. And Excellent. Got my mind right and had time to set up the equipment and everything like that before you got here. So it worked mm. out perfect. But that's what that is, is half a Toscano laying in my kit. <laughs> gotcha. I was, I just, it looked funny. It looked like a nub of a cigar, but at the same time, that wouldn't, it wouldn't be like you to just throw it in your case like that if it were, so that makes sense. Well, let's cover our political our political post for the week. All right. This is from Half Wheel, dated November 3rd. Cigar groups ask court to invalidate FDA cigar regulations. So essentially, um, last week, attorneys for the three cigar trade groups that we've talked about before um, issued complaints that basically seek a reevaluation of the positions that they've held for a long time. Okay, how is this different than asking for a premium cigar exemption? Well, because this is, chief among their complaints is whether or not the FDA acted improperly during 2014 to 16 when it was considering whether to regulate premium cigars or exempt them from upcoming regulations. So this is going, even before we get to the exemption, this is saying even, even before you did that, you did this so improperly you didn't follow the laws uh, or, or the rules set up for how you do this, that everything after that is hereby invalid, or at least it should be. Now, how much of this is spurred on by the ruling that Meta made earlier this year? Is this just the logical next step to that ruling? You know, I it, it could be. You know, it could also be that the courts are slow right now. And so they're packing a lot of these things in just to try and get in front of somebody. You know, this is going to be low on the totem pole of most dockets. And I don't know how that works. I don't know if the BTK trial takes precedent over an insurance fraud trial, so on and so forth, or if it's just the order in which they're received. But 
if it is a matter of the fact that they can get more face time with judges and have their case heard because so few people are, are tying the courts up with other things right now, that could be a motivation, I would think. Well, so in August was when Amit P. Mehta of the District Court of the District of Columbia, he ruled that the FDA needs to go back through the process to determine whether there should be a more streamlined process for premium cigars. And this kind of, it kind of strikes me as that's what this is, is this, okay, this is the logical next step to to just tell them, hey, we, you need to start all over. You didn't have the right to do this to begin with. It kind of it kind of runs in that way for me, right? And that's and that's really what it comes down. You know, it's one of the things that Judge Meta was was so strong in his in his statements was about the fact that the FDA has a certain obligation to act in a certain time frame. You know, they have to act expeditiously. Right. The issue of ripeness. Yeah, and um, and they didn't do that. And so it really all, yeah. So I guess it does boil back down to that that decision in August. So the first inch of my Karloff, I'm liking it. I'm liking the complexity. I'm getting complexity that I don't usually get from Tatawahe. They're not the kings of complexity. They are not. But I'm getting a complexity of it because, you know, kind of on the, I haven't retrohaled it yet. I haven't either. But kind of on the mouth feel, I'm still catching a little of that caramel, um, not really catching any pepper, which I like. I'm not a big pepper guy in my cigars. I'm getting a little oak. I'm getting a little allspice. Yeah, probably, probably maybe what I'm thinking of is oak is allspice. Yeah. And I'll kind of, I've never used the term allspice. Well, it's, <laughs> it is a spice, but it's called allspice. It's used a lot in um, fall and Chinese cuisine. Yeah, why, why make life hard? Why name something allspice? Oh, I know. <laughs> why not well, name it Chinese herb number 10 or something? <laughs> it's the same kind of thing as why they call grapefruit grapefruit. It's nothing like a grape. And obviously the grape came first. Yeah. Or, or you would have had grapefruit. So yeah, you couldn't have come no up. semblance to grapefruit and yeah. grape. Bitter orange wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Well, it's uh, nasty fruit. Don't eat this. <laughs> It's the it's the natural you know it's Corolla's thing. Why do we have why do we have push and pull? Why do two opposite actions have words that are so close together? Mm-hmm. You know we we should have push and philatel <laughs> or something. <laughs> you know I just uh it's one of those things. Allspice is just not a word that's standardly utilized in my vocabulary through through the course of a week. Fair enough. And all, but this is good news. I watch a lot more Food Network than you do. Uh, undoubtedly. I don't think I watch on Food Network is Halloween Wars. Oh, okay. I love Halloween oh, so Wars. Oh, this past week Network. was lovely for you, oh, wasn't it? yeah. Gangbusters. And all the team I wanted to win didn't win. But, that you know, those contests so often, it's funny how they come down to, like, that final challenge. And if you drop the ball on the final challenge, you could be the best team all the way up to the final. And then if you drop the ball on the final, you lose. That, to me... There should be a better way to score that so that you have some consistency. Yeah. And because the team I wanted to win didn't win, and the team I wanted to win was absolutely the best team on that show. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> okay. No. But, yes, I don't watch near the amount of Food Network that you watch. And uh, we'll, let's do our obligatory La Polina Goldie. Every year we talk about the La Polina Goldie. Where is this? And uh, It's on Cigar Aficionado. October 28th by Thomas Papalalardo. And 
it um they talk about the newest size of La Plenty Goldie is going to be a, a new thicker size. So it's going to be six and a half inches long and 56 ring gauge. So this is going to be a bigger cigar than what the Goldie almost ever is. Um, going to be, sorry, Trey's looking it up and it's distracting me. Right well, no, now. it's because you didn't put it on the uh, thing. Did I not put it in the thing? No. And uh, so every year we talk about the Goldie. It's a great cigar. And I've yet to find anybody that had one that could get it to me. Yeah. And uh, I just, I never seem to hit the Goldie I d- lottery. I don't know, I don't know who carries La Polina around here anymore. Yeah, it's kind Except of, maybe uh, that, I, I, maybe Green Hills, but I'm not going in there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that way over there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I, I won't give them my money, so, but I think they might be the only La Polina shop. Uh, I bet, I bet you and Jeff have it. They may. I'm going to have to be on the lookout next time I'm in there. Hey, if somebody listening to us knows where I can get my hands on a Goldie or would like to trade out something, I have some good stuff, Facebook me. We'll do a swap. We'll find a way to, to get a Goldie in my hand. Because every year I do this article, every year you tell me it's a great cigar, and every year I fail to get one. All right. I, I will be on the lookout. I'm, I'm headed over to Bellmead tomorrow, so I will see if I can find one for you. It's made by a single roller in the El Titan de Bronze factory. That's a great factory. It is a great. El Titan de Bronze. And all the, is that the bronze, the bronze Titan? <laughs> I guess. The king of bronze. The king of bronze. And all, they were originally made by cigar roller Maria Sierra who rolled each Goldie until her retirement, and she passed away in 2019 at the age of 70. Okay, why do we not have the name of the new guy? I'd like to have the name of the new guy. If you're going to give me that right. much history on the person that started it and tell me it's only one roller, I want the new guy's name. <laughs> no, I agree. And all, but I'm, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this article because there's, we just never seem to get this cigar. This mm-hmm. seems to be my... But I'm glad you brought it up because I am going to take a little bit of effort into trying to procure us a couple of these. Well, and this one seems to be more what would be in my palate at six and a half by 56. Right. That seems to be something that would really hit my palate size-wise. Mm. And also, and it's I'm, it's only a thousand boxes with ten cigars in each box. So, we'll find out. I'm very, I'm very interested to find out. And I'll... Right. Okay, so let's talk about fancy humidors. All right. So this is kind of spurred on by an article from Half Wheel this week about um, H. Upman Magnum 56 jars are going to be released. And some of them are actually headed to retail. And this is unique because these were previously destined for duty-free shops and, and that sort of thing. And they're actually going to be hitting some mainstream retailers, which means that you won't have to get on an international flight to get them. Well, for our U.S. listeners, yes, you will, because uh, this is the Habanos SA version of H. Upman. So these are Cubans, and so they're going to be released in Switzerland, uh, Luxembourg, and a number of other places, Um, not Germany. They were very clear on that. I don't know why. Um, But the reason we bring it up that's a little background, is because it's in a jar humidor. Now, I have one of the Cohiba ceramic jar humidors Mm -hmm. and all that I acquired, and it's cool as a conversation piece. It's cool to sit on your desk at the office and all that. Um, I've used it to try to season some cigars. I don't know that I've used it to any success doing that. 
I don't know if I need to dry it out or humidify it more or if it just doesn't matter, if it's just a sealed container. It's really just a sealed container. It's no different than using like a Tupperware kind of thing. Well, when you make homemade wine, if you get a batch of homemade wine and you want to change the flavor of it, you can put it in a stone crock and change the flavor of that. True, but a stone crock is different from a ceramic jar. Um, The key difference between the two outside of nomenclature is the is the the enamel coating and what that does is it creates a a food safe barrier which means impervious so it's watertight airtight so there's no humidity exchange outside through the walls whereas with with the stone crock and i wish noel's going to be listening to this on monday and she's going to be yelling at me because i'm this is her thing like Pottery is her thing, and I'm butchering it. Hey, could she throw me a stone crock humidor to change some cigar size, I cigar she, taste in? I bet she could. Could I? Would I poison myself? Could I potentially poison myself with that? Not likely, because it's not still... likely ain't the same thing as no, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep you guessing. But One no, night, if the, I give you a cigar and watch in, closely, you'll the know. inside of the crock, it's still fired, so it's still hard, but it doesn't have that same coating that prevents that creates an, a non-porous surface. So that's what allows the flavors of the wine to pass in and out. I wonder, it's a, yeah, tell her, to th- tell her to throw us a stone crock humidor. All right, I will that, work that on that. That can be her, her special her special try. It don't have to be big. She don't have to do me one that'll do 20. And I'll just do me one that'll do five. I'd like to have one, throw a couple of cigars in there that age well. Yeah, and really kind of see see if it changes it. I think that would be an interesting, maybe a new industry for your wife to get into. <laughs> and uh, the other article about this is um, that you can buy Barbara Poles in a barrel limited edition dis- diesel whiskey row ships to shops. Say that five times fast! Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, did, did they use all the adjectives? <laughs> So, and we've talked about diesel cigars on the show before. Not much. I don't think either one of us has had many of them, if if any. I think you had one on the show, maybe. Yeah, I've had them on the show when people give them to me. Yeah. And we should like diesel better than we do. You know, they're made for general cigar by A.J. Fernandez. And we're both, usually we're on board when A.J. makes a cigar. Right. And also... We probably should spend a little more time with diesel than we do. We probably should, although I don't see it much. Maybe I need to seek it out. Yeah, I mean, I, they've got them here. They've got the the whiskey row here. Oh, okay. And also, uh, it's the um, binder or the wrapper is a Brazilian Araparaca binder. It's aged in rabbit hole whiskey barrels that once contained Pedro Jimenez sherry from Spain. Hmm. And this is a pretty common practice in the liquor business. And uh, don't most Jack Daniel barrels go to Ireland to to age Irish whiskey? Yeah, I think so. Or they go they go various places. But yeah, a lot of times, you know, because a barrel doesn't just get used once most of the time. Yeah, most of the time the barrels get a couple of lives. Yeah. They, but they don't never get used for the same whiskey twice. Right. You know, Jack Daniels, they build famously build their barrels out of ash, mm-hmm. and they use them for that barrel of whiskey, and then when they put it in the bottles, that barrel's life is ended with Jack Daniels. And my understanding is they have a contract in Ireland where they ship them over there, and that's where a lot of your Irish whiskey gets aged, mm. is in those Jack Daniel barrels. Now, 
Dan Dunn may need to correct me on that. Have you ever listened to Dan Dunn's podcast? Drinking with Dan Dunn? Outstanding. He He taught me something this week. Do you know where the term proof comes from? Yeah, because you would proof. Uh, it was the it was the method for determining. Basically, you use gunpowder saturated in alcohol, and you would watch the way it burned down to determine the proof. Right, and that was the proof. If it it was taxed at a different rate according to the amount of alcohol, and if the gunpowder fired, that was the proof. Right. And also, yeah, I did, he taught me. I didn't know that. I had never heard that till this week. Great podcast. It, it, and I'm not, I'm not a huge drinker. I don't right. spend a ton of my time drinking. But I really enjoy the way he talks about all of the aspects of the different liquors and the way he brings that in. Yeah. And also, he may have to correct me. I'm sure he listens to the Cigar oh, sure. Cash regularly. I'm sure. He may have to correct me on where the Jack Daniels barrels actually go. But So this is a pretty common thing. But we probably, these will be, um, each barrel contains 10 cigars and re- retails for one twenty four ninety nine. But I'll tell you, the barrel don't impress me much. The barrel kind of looks like um, cast plastic with a few bands put around it. I'd, I don't get that barrel feel when I look at this barrel. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. It does not look impressive at all. I don't like the... Uh I don't like the banding. It's far too plain and flashy at the same time. I don't. Um, yeah. Plus, you know, and this is kind of what we brought this up to talk about. Is I'm not really much of a fan of, of gimmick humidors. Uh, the jars have a place. The jars have a history. Yeah. And all they this, have a little history behind them. Something like this, you know, Southern Draw did the. Um, plus, I hate barrel aged cigars. I'll go. I'll, I'll go out there and I'll say I hate barrel-aged cigars because they take a terrible cigar and they try and make up for that by infusing it with flavor from sherry or whatever. Well, and, and that, it never works. Ain't that the general rule on any kind of flavored specialty finished cigars? You kind of start with a lesser cigar. It's not like if you have a cigar that's good enough to stand on its own, you don't go through the time and expense to try to age it in a, in a barrel. Right. It's the same principle behind cooking wine. You know, I- anybody who enjoys wine or cooks with wine will tell you you never actually cook with cooking wine. It's not good for anything. Why would you cook with something that you wouldn't drink on its own? Right. And it's the same thing with this. Why would I create a cigar and go through the process of, of if it's not smokable on its own? Right. If it's start not good with good, go to great. Don't start with crap and go to slightly less crap. Well, but now I have had some barrel-aged cigars I enjoyed, and I'll, um, Perdomo makes one that I enjoy. And they start with a, a product that is smokable on its own accord. Yeah, they start with a Perdomo. They start with, you know, we, we covered it in depth last week. They right. start with a good cigar. Exactly. And that's the and key. Now, the Camacho barrel-aged, I don't care for. I don't either. I've, I've never found one of those that I really like. So this is, this is a little gimmicky. So here's my rule on these humidors. It needs to be a conversation piece. It needs to be something that if it was sitting on my desk, somebody would be almost irresistible to open the lid and see what's inside of it. Yeah. And, all. and, and when they open it and see it's cigars, it's, oh, okay. Yeah. 
and all. It needs to be well decorated. Um, you know, they're generally they're generally sitting on your desk, sitting on your humidor, something like that type deal. Yeah, I agree. No, it definitely has to be a showpiece, and I think that's where this falls down is that that barrel just isn't a showpiece. So when she throws my stone humidor, tell her I'd like a deer carved in the outside. If she could, she could whip that out for me. That'd be awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll give her the picture of the one I hit last night. Oh, did you hit a deer last <laughs> I night? I did hit a deer. Yeah, I was driving on just country highway, and this, luckily for me, it was a juvenile. And it, it, I didn't see it until the last minute, and it comes right in front of my car. I slam on the brakes. It turns, looks at me, and gives me this face like, ah! <laughs> Well, yeah, there was a car hit. You would have that face if there was a car headed to you. And and I, I swear I could hear the Scooby-Doo as it was trying to spin its legs and go the other way. And then I just rolled it, and I ran right over it. Didn't didn't scratch the car. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I'm sure the deer wasn't a big fan, but I, well, it's probably good that not, you didn't but. destroy the vehicle in the process at all. But anyway, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about hobbies of the presidents and on a, an app week for that. Right. And just hobbies in general and kind of self-care routines. I really like that term, self-care routine. That surprises me. I would think you would hate that term. But we'll talk about that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about the Romeo and Juliet 1875 Nicaraguan. This is an unassuming little cigar. Nicaraguan Puro, binder, filler, wrapper, all Nicaraguan. Um, usually running from that $7 to that, you know, 8 and a half at the max. Right. But just a good, solid smoke. I really enjoy this cigar. You know, this is rated about a medium to full, or like a medium plus, medium full and I'd say that's right about it. It's got a light body, though, so it doesn't really kick you in the teeth, but you get a lot of that pure Nicaraguan flavor. I mean, it really does have all that you love about Nicaraguan tobacco. Good, a really good morning cigar. Absolutely. And uh, it's a white and an orange label and just an outstanding smoke. So till next week, try the Romeo and Juliet 1875 Nicaragua. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the other guy, Trey Dedman. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> and I was walking in here, and I, I want to thank the listener that was sitting outside the cigar shop when I was walking in here that recognized my voice and stopped me to say hi. That made my day. That oh, made I my bet. year. Yeah. And then when he said, who's the other guy? That's Trey. <laughs> that, that really made my day. I think it may have been tongue-in-cheek. I, I'm... I think I pick on you so much everybody else kind of joins in. I think there's probably some truth to that, yeah. <laughs> Although, I, as we've discussed before, and I don't know if we ever talk about it on the show, but I am a forgettable person. I, I fully recognize and admit that about myself. People meet you once and they remember forever. I kind of leave a mark. I, people introduce themselves <laughs> to me six times. It's, yeah. it's just the way it is. And I, you know what? I'm fine with it. So Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of the guy that leaves a mark. I, I'm okay with that, too. That's not a big deal in my life. No, I left a mark on the deer, but... <laughs> <laughs> he walks around the rest of his life with Jeep tattooed on his side. <laughs> if I'm ever deer hunting and a deer comes rolling through that's got Jeep on the side, I'll know what happened. 
and all. So, Imperial completes $1.44 billion sale of premium cigar business. So, um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, and but I did want to say that they have completed it because, you know, they were hot and heavy on this, and then COVID hit. Right. And that kind of cooled everything off. So, they ended up, it's an um, investment group that bought it. So it's not an established, necessarily, tobacco place. And see, this is what's so fascinating to me about... And and I have a business degree. I, I work in that field. Like, I understand how business works on an international level. This is one of those things that still just baffles me, that there are these companies that exist solely to own other companies. They don't actually do anything. Right. And that's what Imperial Brands is, essentially, just like Yum Foods and a couple of others. You know, Monte Cristo, Altitas, Tobacolero USA, Habanos SA, or 50% of it, is still going to operate like normal. They just... And it... Because it's one of those things that every time we talk about, like, those super yachts or the private islands and stuff, I'm going, how are there enough people in the world that have that kind of money to for someone to justify making even one of these? And then you see that, you know, 1.225 billion euros for a couple of tobacco companies. You go, oh, there are people that are dealing in that kind of coin. Well, and it is more than a couple. You know, it's a pair of cigar factories. It's JR Cigars, a big <laughs> retailer. It's the Casa de Monte Cristo oh, yeah. stores. You know, it's, there oh, it's is a lot of physical. Holdings. Absolutely. Yeah. But the but Imperial brands themselves will not have a hands-on approach to any of that, I wouldn't think. No, but now I will tell you, over the past two years, Altitus has probably done a better job of improving their cigars than anybody in the industry. That's true. You know, for a long time, they were just kind of there. They were just kind of the, the cliche cigar, if I can say that. They did, you know, the serious smokers like you and I didn't have much use for Altitis. Back when they were Tabacalera Garcia, before they became Altitis, I, I was a huge fan. And I, I, I fell off the wagon soon after Altitis took them over, um, kind of like with CAO in general. Um, but then they came back. Yeah, they really, I mean, the AJ Fernandez collaborations have been great for them. Mm-hmm. Um, doing a lot of, you know, the Romeo and Juliet Nicaraguan, great cigar, really enjoy it. The Connecticut Nicaraguan, mm-hmm. really enjoy it. They have done a great job of really overall improving their segment, their their corner of the cigar market. And, I'll, and you know, I think sometimes the Casa de Monte Cristos help them, sometimes it hurts them. Other brick and mortars don't necessarily want to have their products in because Casa is going to be able to sell it so much cheaper than they can buy it. Yeah. But, but I do think that's kind of short-sighted. I do, too, because, you know, okay, I can buy the, you know, I finally got Austin to get the Romeo and Juliet Real Nicaraguan in here. Right. And all, and it's been selling great, like crazy. And, all, and okay, so it's $2 more here than it is there. Well, I'm here. Right. I'm parking. I'm, I don't have to drive the extra 30 miles. I don't have to yeah. do any of the other Yeah, that $2 things. is what you would spend in gas to get there. Oh, yeah. Not to mention if I had to pay for parking right. or anything like that. So it's, I don't think that theory necessarily holds true. It seems a little spiteful. It seems like you'd rather be right than be successful if you're holding that theory. Seems like it. But but there are people out there that feel that way, and you, so you do make a valid point. 
But I do, I do really like that. So I want to talk about an article from The Art of Manliness. You are obsessed with this website these days, aren't you? I enjoy it. Well, this is the time of year um, when my manliness really starts coming into play. Uh, hunting season yeah, quickly hunting approaches. Yeah, hunting season comes, and I'm, I'm really, because, you know, before I shoot a deer, I always do the same thing. When the deer comes out, I look at him through the scope, and I say, stay calm, pick your spot. You can be excited later, be a good predator. And I shoot the deer. And because when somebody misses a deer, it's because they didn't wait to get excited. The time to get excited is when the deer's on the ground. Right. When the deer's still walking around, or in, well, if it's in front of your truck, you can get excited. <laughs> but when the deer's still walking around, it's not the time to get excited. So you want to be a good predator. Right. And there, by, you know, our deer season opens Saturday when this podcast drops. By Friday, I'll just be communicating in a system of clicks and grunts. And all because I'll be so wound up, I can't hardly wait. You know, I went out and got all my guns sighted in. And hunting adds life to my years. Mm-hmm. Because you're with nature. You know, I've talked about it. It's just, it's spiritual. It's just magical, the art of hunting. And no, the, nobody is a better cons- conservationist than a hunter. Mm-hmm. And because so much of our life is spent in pursuit of this, and there's a lot of respect goes into that. And right. Everything like that. So, and it's kind of a, it is a type, I like the term self-care, which surprises you for some reason. Yeah, it does. I don't know. That just seems like the kind of term that you would accuse people like me of using. Who likes me better than me? <laughs> so, you do, you make a valid point. I mean, at the end of the day, self-care because I, I don't depend on somebody else to take care of me. That that's for the people that are more of your ill. The people there like it me. Is. <laughs> he took the shot. I could I couldn't resist. Uh, I, if I'm gonna tee him up for you like that, <laughs> I, that was my own fault. Yeah, I got to take a swing. But this art from Jeremy Anderberg, November third, the self care routines of five American presidents. And everybody that's listening, we're not going to talk about the presidential election. <laughs> no. It's impossible for me to talk about politics without swearing vehemently and explaining to the world how foolish I believe they are. So we're just going to, I just, I like the ideal of a president. I don't like the process. You know what? I think there are a lot of people that agree with you on that point. So the idea is, you know, we have always heard that the president is the most important, the most powerful, and probably has the most stressful job in the entire country. So you can't, and, and anytime you see portraits of a president, especially a two-term president, when they come in, when they walk in the, the White House for the first time, when they walk out the last time, yes, I realize eight years have passed, but most of them age by about 16. Yeah, it, lo- it looks closer to 20. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing the toll, and, and this goes for, for any profession, any body, stress will take such a toll on you and you really owe it to yourself to your family and to the people that have to interact with you to find a hobby yeah it is it is so critical and so crucial and i've been i've been accused my whole life of having too many hobbies and that's probably true but god i love every one of them and there's something so nice about having different things that you can do to unplug Happy people have hobbies. Yeah. 
happy people, you know, I've, 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 I stole the virtues of hunting and all. But it's interesting, these presidents, Abraham Lincoln, theater. Okay, that didn't work out quite so well yeah, as Bobby did it. That one's a little unfortunate <laughs> what, for too, sure. Too soon. Um, and uh, he had never seen a Shakespeare pre- performed on stage until he became president. And uh, Which I can understand. In the time he was president, there probably wasn't a lot of that going on. Okay, Rutherford B. Hayes has to have the worst one. I thought that too. <laughs> Genealogy is now, that not narcissistic to me? Just well, a little. I don't. I don't think. I think far be it for you to call anyone a narcissist. But <laughs> uh, this the, is a kettle. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, every family has that one person. Every family has the crazy genealogist who knows everything about, and they always show up to the family reunions telling you how you're related to their second cousin's nephew, three times removed. By marriage. Right. And your, I just don't care. Your great-great-grandfather invented the wiffle ball bat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's usually something. Like well, when you go to the wiffle family reunion, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> and also, by, by sheer accident, <laughs> he invented the wiffle ball bat. And, yeah, there's always that guy. And that's not my favorite guy. <laughs> it's generally... You know, it, but, that's, that's interesting to me for 22 seconds. That, well, it's, it's interesting to me for a little bit longer than that because there are stories of my own family and recent family as back as just a couple of generations that are lost now because the people who live those stories never told them and are, are no longer with us. So I do think there's a place for that, but I think it just seems like a that's a lot of reading for a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> Herbert Hoover, Fishing. This one I can get behind. I can I can get behind. There is it, again. It's like hunting. There's just something magical about the nature of it and being out there and the you know. There's especially, just something magical, especially if you're the president and you've got the entire country at your disposal. You know, you want to go fish the Colorado River, go for it. You know, you want to go up to Montana and get some of the big lakes up there, go for it. Like you can experience the wondrous beauty that every little fishing hole in this country has to offer. Plus, you get it for free. Hey, last week I had the president on this boat. Exactly. I mean, man, that, that, if that ain't taking advantage of your position. Right. So <laughs> you know, Nobody other than Bill Clinton has ever took better advantage of their position than that. But her fishing, I can get behind that. And that's, a, that's kind of an all-American hobby. Now, this is interesting. Franklin D. Roosevelt, nightly cocktail hour. So, you know, the... Uh the idea of, you know, everything in moderation, I think, is one of the things that still applies in this case. I think there is something to be said for whether it's a cocktail or a cigar about having a nightly routine that allows you to take a step away from whatever you're doing and transition into whatever type of self-care time you need. You know, I when I was in advertising, I went um, to pitch to an attorney and some office and right out front of his office he had the, uh, one of those um, boot scrapers like you see out the front of golf pro shops you right. know for, for cleaning off your cleats before you walk in so I'm like okay and so I, I when I'm in there and I'm trying to kind of make conversation I said so you're a golfer and he said no Okay, that's a little curious. We live in the South. It's not like you've got snow and salt and stuff to shake off your boots in the winter. And he said that he worked for a really high-powered firm when he first started 
was working crazy long hours. He was miserable, and his wife was miserable at him and because of him. And so once he went into private practice, he made a point so that whenever he walks to the office, he wipes his feet off of his home life, and he dedicates his time in the office to his work life. And then when he leaves every day, he does the same thing, and he leaves the office at the office and takes his self home. And I think there's something really remarkable about that. It's, it's stuck with me all these years later. Yeah, and there is, you know, we always had, my parents built houses for 30 years, and we always had a place at the river, and we had a special spot that they knew, and the kids knew, when we get to this spot in the trip to the river, when we cross this bridge, we will no longer talk about business. And it was, it was kind of ingenious of my mom and dad because they were always, we were leaving on Friday right after work, and they were always kind of winding down their week. Right. And so we kids, we knew we would stay quiet, let them talk about their business. We would sit back there, relax, take it easy, kind of unwind from our week. And then when we crossed that bridge as a family, we could have a conversation. You were on, vac- you were on vacation at that yeah. point. That's, yeah. That's one of the things that I, you know, I don't claim to be very good at the whole self-care thing. Um, but that being able to transition into vacation mode is something that I have gotten really good at lately. Um, just because of everything that's been going on this year in particular and, and for the last couple for me, it's, it's really nice to just close the computer on, you know, a Thursday afternoon for a long weekend and go, okay, I'm on vacation. And I go, and I go have a cigar and I spend a little more than I would otherwise, you know, to, to mark the occasion. I'm officially on vacation. I have this happen to me all the time. I'll have somebody call me and they'll say, hey, can you send me this plan? And I'll say, no, I'm at home. I'll send it to you whatever time I'm coming back to the office. Oh, well, I figured you'd have access to your plans from wherever you are. What kind of a masochist do you think I am? Right. I mean, there, there's, there's clear lines. And I think what when you have What they're that, really saying is, I expected you to be at my beck and call. Right. I expected you to be on 24-7. Yeah. And all. And that's, that's, their, that's the way they live. That's their business. Yeah. And I'll be, you know, we have a cigar cigar time around our house that me and the wife sit down and we have our cigar. I don't have a TV on my porch. I don't want a TV on my porch. We listen to a little music. We talk about the day's events. We enjoy a cigar, play a little poker. That's just the way it works for us. And I'll be, the last one, okay, I don't know. Dwight D. Eisenhower golf. I don't know that golf is self-care for me. I don't think it is. I I think you have to hit a certain level of competence before it becomes self-care. There's something... I love the game of golf, but it's so incredibly frustrating. And it's not... Every time I smoke a cigar, I enjoy having smoked a cigar. Every time I play golf, I don't enjoy the golf I played. Well... I get I get very zen and all because I don't concern myself. I'm not on the PGA tour. If I can play poorly fast, I consider that as good as playing well. Right. And all if you're gonna play poorly, just play poorly fast, you'll be surprised how few people will notice. And I'll don't you know, okay, if you're not the best golfer in the world, you don't have to take three practice swings and line up like you're going for the, right. the win at the British Cup. You know, it's well, and don't spend three hours looking for a lost ball, and then once you find it, don't try and hit your way out. Just take your licks, 
move it out somewhere you can take a reasonable shot from and start over. Yeah, just enjoy it. Just just enjoy yourself. It's very zen, but it's harder. It's harder for me to. It takes work for me to enjoy and relax myself when I'm playing golf. Yeah. It also, as a president, there have been so many deals struck on the golf course, and as business people as well, you know, until fairly recently, many presidents, you know, had a private sector career before they ever got into public service, and so. You know, golf is one of those things that's also kind of self-serving because it's a hobby, but it also serves a practical purpose for a lot of people. So, Yeah, and, you know, the beautiful thing about hunting as a hobby is it comes with its own instilled time limit. Right. There's a limited amount of time, so I can hunt as hard as I want. You know, from Saturday when season starts till January 1, my wife will let me hunt as hard as I want to hunt because she knows after January 1, it's over. Right. And she's fine with me doing that. And that's one of the wonderful things about my wife, other than her giving us cigars for the podcast right. tonight, um, is she can she acknowledges, okay, it's just a limited amount of time. Every moment is not the most important moment in her life. She can see the big picture very well. And I think more people should nurture that in their selves. Yeah, perhaps so, yeah. And also tell me about your monster experience. You know, I'm enjoying it. Um I'm I'm losing some of the nuance at this point about two thirds of the way through, and I'm starting to get kind of a burnt flavor. So I don't know if maybe it's because I'm smoking too fast, or it if it's unusual. a little young. You're smoking faster than I am, which is unusual. It is that and that probably reflective of your stress today. Could be, and um. I'm still getting the nuance. I'm still getting the complexity. I'm still enjoying it tremendously. I mean, but it hasn't really been burning crooked or, or having any issues with me, which is normally what happens when you smoke fast. But I can see how a year of age could make this great. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think, I, I don't even want to say it's too young. It just, it could stand to be older. It's not ammonia young. Right. The tobacco is cured perfectly. This is the chili that you need to sit in the refrigerator overnight. Yeah, you just need all the, it's still the good. spices it's still good need now. to blend. But, yeah, but those flavors just need to come together and homogenize a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to have to talk the wife into us just taking some out of that box and just letting them sit in the back of the humidor and age for yeah. a year and smoke them again next November. Because I really think that's what this... And, and that's kind of the, the earmark of the Tatawahi Monster. They're usually better a year after they come out. Right. And the problem is there's almost never any to be found a year after right. they come out. But it almost makes it seem like they should be making next year's now. And then, you know, just, just Tatawahi, make two this year. Right. And then sit on one and then, and then just kind of release them a year like, like we do with the show from time to time where we've got one in the can and we're recording a week ahead. Well, so the next one they'll make will be the Dorian Gray and then have like a picture on the outside of a young guy and then when you get to the bottom of the box there's a picture of an old guy. That would be brilliant, actually. <laughs> Thank you, Tatawa. Hey, you may, you may use that ideal. Oh, that's that's pretty brilliant. The next one can be the Dorian. But yeah, so I'm I'm liking it. I'm liking the mouthfeel. I'm liking everything about it. I'm, I, I can't say anything. I can't say anything about the cigar. It's a good cigar. And also, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. So last article I want to cover. 
Viaje Farmer Bill Hatchet and Stuffed Turkey returning this month. So we're talking about our seasonal cigars. Right. And um, this is Viaje's Thanksgiving-themed cigars. And all uh, the Thanksgiving, the Farmer Bill Hatchet, the Stuffed Turkey White Meat, and Stuffed Turkey Dark Meat. Okay. <laughs> Here's my problem with Viaje. They're forgettable. They are so forgettable. I mean, and, at and least the, with Gurkha, I can work up a general dislike for them. But there's, everything is so different, and they're all short runs, and they never stay on the shelves, and they cost way too much for a lackluster experience. Yeah, they're just, they're just I, I, and I think that's the worst thing I can say about a cigar. I hate to say that. Yeah. But because I don't like to, I don't like to gainsay anybody's product. You know, these are hard work to put these together. But the Bill Hatchet is a Nicaraguan Puro using a Criollo wrapper. And then I'm looking for the recipe on the white meat and the dark meat. They which, haven't released it yet. Which, yeah, which is not in this article. Um, but. Oh, wait, nope. Uh, both versions use a Nicaraguan binder and filler with white meat using a Nicaraguan Criollo 98, and the dark meat is a Mexican San Andreas Maduro. Okay. But, yeah, I'm just not a, you know, there's some Viaje stuff here in the shop that's been sitting. I mean, it'll end up in the clearance bin. There's no way around it because it's just been sitting. And when I asked the owner why he got it, he said they cut me a deal on it, which to me doesn't reflect listening to your customers very well. Right. But um, I don't know. I'm just wondering. So, okay. I'm asking for a lot of listener participation tonight. Text me on Facebook, message me, post me, whatever it is, however you want to do it, or you can use Trey's Instagram account and he'll tell me about it. The it's, best... The, it's best, the cigar cast. Well, I don't Instagram. look at Instagram. The best viaje you've ever had, and I will smoke it. I will do if my If you can be- find if it. If I can find it. And I'll, I, will, I will smoke it, and I will find out if there is something memorable, because I... It's either they are not memorable or I have just not exposed myself enough to the product. Right. And, I, and I'm always happy to try to expose myself a little further to a, to a certain type of cigar to see because I just, um, I don't know, they're just totally forgettable for me. I completely agree. There's just, they do absolutely nothing for me. Well, and Viaje as a company has never created a corporate culture. And I don't like their model. Yeah. Of the fact that it's here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. You know, Drew Estate is the king of creating a corporate culture. Uh-huh. They have done better than anybody in the industry of creating so a brand identity. Yeah. So Perdomo is Nick Perdomo. Rocky Patel is Rocky and Nish, Nimish. It's those three. It's about the people that make the cigars. But Drew Estate is about the people that smoke the cigars. Mm-hmm. And Drew Estate has done an astounding... There should be a marketing class taught by Drew Estate on how to do that. Because that's how you create a company. Viaje hasn't really created nothing. I couldn't tell you who makes Viaje. And I, I, couldn't, no. I, I couldn't tell you off the top of the head where they're made. Nicaragua. Yeah, I'm going to assume Nicaragua. But... Um, the, I think they need. They could use a serious overhauling yeah. to really, for me, come through. And I also rate the monster. I'm going to give it a five. Mine's a little better to me. I've got to give it a six. Okay. I, I can't quite give it a full six. I can't give it the full send, but it's it's good. 
but it's just not, and, and it could be my fault, as well, we've mentioned. Would you smoke another? Yeah. And I'll, and I think that's the, to me, that's the difference in a five and a six. No, see, I smoke fives all day long. Uh, I, I like a five. Some, you don't always need a six, and you certainly don't always deserve a seven. Well, you smoke more cigars in a day than I do. True. So you probably just by virtue of that do end up smoking more fives than what I typically encounter. Mm. And uh, for me, if it's a cigar that I say yes, when I'm walking through the humidor at some point, that cigar is going to speak to me. That's usually a six. Gotcha. And uh, and this cigar would speak to me if I'm if I'm in a strange humidor and I happen to walk through and see a Boris sitting there, a Karloff sitting there, I'd probably I'd grab another. Yeah. You know, I'd, especially if it's a year from now, I'd grab another yeah, one. Especially. And I'll, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk my wife into aging a couple of these, and we'll really have That'll to revisit splendid. it. And I'll, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at the Cigarcast. We're on Facebook.com/slash the Cigarcast, and info at the Cigarcast.com is our email address. Well, thank you everybody for listening tonight. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.